Welcome back to a Clubfoot Mom podcast. I am your host and fellow Clubfoot Mom, Maureen Hoff. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Lori Howard, Clubfoot Mom and licensed marriage and family therapist. She also happens to be the mother of the incredible Chloe Howard, a previous podcast guest. If you have had the opportunity to listen to that episode, you heard a lot from Chloe about her parents helped shape the way she saw her clubfoot and then helped and supported her through an incredibly difficult time in her life. As soon as we're done, as soon as we were done recording that episode, I knew I needed to meet Lori and ask her to be a guest on the podcast as well. I was so inspired and impressed by the way Chloe talked about the role her parents played on her clubfoot treatment journey. And I'm so grateful that Lori was willing to be a guest and cannot wait for you guys to hear. A bit of a background on Lori. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist at the Christian Counseling Center in San Jose. And as you can imagine, I immediately felt a connection through our backgrounds. And when Lori sent her list of potential topics for this episode, I just like wanted to talk about them all, but we don't have time for them all. (laughs) So we might have to have more than one. Um, Each one resonated like so deeply with me and it felt really impossible to choose one. So I chose two. And I hope that she'll be willing to do another episode in the future if everybody's interested in hearing more. So today we're gonna focus on two topics that I believe are connected, the grief and loss of what could have been. So this idea of the idealized child we thought we were going to have and what we can do about that and the actuality of living with a child with special needs and the dynamics that that can create in the family unit. So welcome to the podcast, Lori. I am obviously so thrilled to have you here. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. So let's just jump in. So we heard from Chloe about her clubfoot diagnosis and treatment, but I would love to hear from you about what it was like for you to get her diagnosis and how you handled it. Yeah, so Chloe is 22. I'm going to start mm-hmm. with that. So this is going way back. <laughs> All the way, way back. Machine. All the way back. Um, yeah. So I, we found out about Chloe at her 20 week ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And what I think, and I'll just maybe give a little nugget of like that process because that, okay. Yeah. Of because course, yeah. she is a, not just a typical clubfoot kid. Right. In that when we saw her, you know, 20 weeks, she's starting to move around mm-hmm. in my belly. I'm like, oh, I'm having this baby. You show up. You're so thrilled. It's our mm-hmm. first child. And they're like, do you want to know the sex? We're like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So they're like, it's a girl immediately. And I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. you know, pink and like yeah. and <laughs> dolls and rainbows. <laughs> like, absolutely. Unicorn. Glitter. Uh-huh. All the things that, um, it's like this immediate, mm. like joy, excitement. Mm-hmm. And I think my husband who played soccer, like collegiately, and he was like, you know, purple cleats and, yeah. you know, in yeah. that space. Um, and then, you know, that ultrasonographer, mm-hmm. they get real quiet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, hey, I'm going to call, you know, someone mm-hmm. else in. And they get real quiet. and you you don't understand. Well, I've never had a kid before, so mm. I didn't understand any of it, right. what was going on. And then they don't say anything mm-hmm. for a long time. And they say, Hey, why don't you go upstairs and see your doctor? I'm like, I don't feel like we didn't have an appointment today. Mm-hmm. So we went from ultrasonographer, like the room mm-hmm. 
upstairs mm-hmm. and then the OB comes out and pulls us in the back where we've never been into an office where we've never been in Sisters Town mm-hmm. and says, you know, I need to talk to you about what we saw today. And so immediately it's just all of that joy and glitter and mm-hmm. rainbows is it's just like dark mm. because you're in this new world where she says, you know, we see a club foot. We actually, we see two, we see a giant hole in the heart. I don't know if this, this is viable life. Mm. So we went from <laughs> yeah, really happy to like, whoa. And then within days we were shuttled off to the genetic counselors mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And we were told in that appointment after not even understanding, we didn't have Google <laughs> or was the internet in 2000? Was that even a thing? I don't even think so. We didn't even know how to process that. Mm-hmm. Um, they said specifically, um, this is what we see. Mm-hmm. And you could interrupt this pregnancy today and no one would have to know. And I remember thinking, um, I feel like this isn't a phone call that I can interrupt. And I don't even, I can't process what you're saying to me. Mm-hmm. So in that space, my husband and I just agreed, we, we need to just wait. I, mm-hmm. We don't understand. There's a lot of information. Mm-hmm. And when they start saying things like the viability of the fetus mm-hmm. and all of these things, and I'm like, but I know this is a girl and I've already named her Chloe. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, she was already real. Right? Wow, she was super real to me. Mm-hmm. And so that was a shocking thing for us. Mm. And so for the next 20 weeks, and um, that was, you know, our introduction to what is Clubfoot. I had no idea what it was. I think Seinfeld had some bit on one of his shows, talked about dating a girl with a club, but it was like the, the bad punchline of a joke. Mm. Um, I had no experience with it. It just seemed like, you know, is there even a leg? Like we didn't even understand it. Mm-hmm. And what we had, the tools we had back then, all the 22 years ago Mm -hmm. you know I don't even think there was like a a diagram really maybe like in the encyclopedia or something yeah and because I grew up internationally I had Mm -hmm. lived in developing countries I have seen severe disability Mm -hmm. I have seen what possibly could have been clubfoot you know people walking on backwards feet Mm -hmm. and in my mind this is what Mm. this is where I was going so it was it was incredible grief Mm -hmm. and how could I as you know not not perfect but how could I in this body that's typical Mm -hmm. and my husband typical never Mm -hmm. done anything I was the one that like I never took drugs hardly even drank Mm -hmm. you know I um I only I never ate brie I gave up sushi (laughs) I never pumped my own gas. I was like militant pregnant woman. Yeah. How can this healthy body grow something so other? Mm-hmm. So I think when you ask, this is kind of a loaded question, right? This is yeah. how, what was my experience. Th- this was that it was completely fear mm-hmm. and like complete um, conviction that I somehow did something mm-hmm. wrong or manifested this child who wasn't viable for this world Hmm. throughout the 20 weeks um, 
you know, we were at, we were at, in San Francisco, so we, we were at UCSF and they were like, we could have surgery where we pull her out and um, do surgery on her heart because they were really concerned because her whole, the whole looked so ginormous in her mm. heart. And it was like, wow, all that seems really invasive. And like, I don't, I don't know science mm -hmm. if that's really where we want to be mm -hmm. right now. We just don't, it was like we were going from, you know, multiple club feet and hole to um, by like right before I delivered some visiting surgeon from, I think he was from Australia, came and like did another ultrasound and they were like, you know what I think this is? I think this is an extra superior vena cava that we're seeing crossing with their heart. I don't think this is a hole. I'm like, interesting. And then they said, could be one club, could be two, could have club hand, could be cleft palate, you know, all these things. But we think the heart's okay. Okay. <laughs> so when she was born, um, I, well, I was put on bed rest. I was considered a high risk pregnancy. You know, it was... It was I, the anxiety levels were so high, and mm -hmm. um, she was born. And the NICU SWAT team, you know, they were there waiting. And when she was born, her heart level went down a little bit, so they had to get those forceps in and pull her out because they were afraid. Mm -hmm. um, I bet it was a pretty typical birth mm -hmm. had they not been so concerned about the heart. Yeah, the NICU team—they were pretty disappointed. They're like, "Why did you pull us up here at ten o'clock at night?" You know, <laughs> she's fine. Yeah. And um, when she was all cleaned up, um, I couldn't hold her right because they mm -hmm. took her from me right away. But when I finally met her, mm -hmm. there she was, like mm -hmm. perfectly perfect baby. Mm -hmm. yeah. She had a little club foot. And um, she randomly, she's missing seven toenails. They don't know why. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And that's been, you know, that comes up later in her story. But that's, we don't know if it was amniotic banding. We don't mm. know what happened um, for that reason. Mm -hmm. But there she was. Wow. And it was, you know, miracle birth, whatever you want to call it. I mean, she's, she's alive and well today. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. And I think that's so normalized that experience of feeling the fear and grief and just all of the unknown. And I think that's just such a common theme when I talk to moms who get this diagnosis or get any sort of diagnosis in utero that's going to be different. It's like, it's so much, it's so much to process mm -hmm. and I love the fact that you just said, like, I just, we just have to wait. Like, we just have to wait, you know? And I think sometimes there's such a push to like, okay, you got to find information. You got to do this. You got to do that. There's no space. But the reality is sometimes like you just need space and time to process and to be with it. Mm -hmm. I think maybe a gift is that she was born not in the social media age yeah a gift yeah. and a detriment right like we yeah there's really isolated mm -hmm. but then I didn't go on Dr. Google's all the things that could go wrong yeah there wasn't know. that onslaught of information mm, of all no. the potential issues 
that come mm-hmm. up when you get on these social media groups, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of, I definitely think we talk a lot about that, the given the take of social media and how there's positives and negatives that mm-hmm. impact treatment journeys for parents specifically. Not really, I mean, kids are one thing, but usually they're young. It's really parents and how they process all the information that's coming into them. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about your background in mental health and how that impacted the way you handled both the diagnosis and the treatment of Chloe's clubfoot. Yeah. So um, I wish that I would have been a therapist then. Yeah. I was a teacher. Um, I can tell you, I went back later, Mm. you know, to school. And in fact, um, when Chloe was a freshman in high school, Mm -hmm. I started my journey. Wow. Um, So I'm relatively, I, newer in this field mm-hmm. but I will say I w- was intuitive enough to know mm-hmm. um and I think this is perhaps because my parents were professors of education I mean different mm-hmm. field but I had enough kind of the heimgeno parenting kind of stuff in my stratosphere in my psyche because my parents um raised us up with this idea of um, like positive reinforcement Mm -hmm. Um, never name the negatives of your child Mm -hmm. you know give them space to be who they are type of coming from their own education so I I feel that I was intuitive enough to know as a mom when Chloe was little that we were never gonna um never going to talk about her clubfoot her I mean it's a deformity and so mm-hmm. right, we're mm-hmm. never going to talk about that in this very negative sense. Right. Mm. We never held it like in the dark, if you will, because I just believe that good things don't grow in the dark. Mm. There, are, you know, there's yeah. this this idea right. of like this shame piece, like ooh, mm-hmm. embarrassment. And I think I always wanted her to know that we chose her. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we had options, but Mm -hmm. she was chosen and placed Mm -hmm. in our family for a reason. Mm -hmm. That's not scientific. It's just kind of what I think. Um, I feel that because of that, we were um, so open with people because when you walk around with a kid with a club foot and Mm -hmm. Chloe's club foot, you know, first of all, the she had surgeries, which I wish if she would have been born later, they would have never done the surgeries. Mm-hmm. Then they would have gone straight to Ponsetti because of the surgeries that she had when she was six months old. That's when it started. Mm. The casting, she started so little, like at three months, but at six months old, they went and did a tendon transfer. Mm-hmm. That's like old school yeah. thinking. Because right. of that, she has no flexion. She can't point or flex her foot. So mm-hmm. for her, walking is like walking on a brick. Mm. Um, and there's nothing like seeing your six month old come out of major tendon transfer surgery, the trauma. Yeah. I, I can't, I don't live in her, so I can imagine that's the trauma within her, but Mm -hmm. for me as Mm -hmm. mom, Mm -hmm. trauma, Mm -hmm. um, fear, right. We go back to that anxiety, fear space. Um, but I think how it informed me later. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Chloe had a, a big journey and yeah. she had mentioned yes. um, her assaults because mm-hmm. of her club foot. Right. 
I'm so glad that I had my therapeutic training by then because that type of trauma, it like, it like ripped all, all of us open as Mm -hmm. a family because that all that goodness that we instilled in her, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. You are perfectly imperfect, right? Yeah. You don't have toenails. They do look a little funny. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And right. we as a family can joke about it. I mean, like, she's like named all her toes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, and she yeah, was, she's you know, got a great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. part, right? We, we develop that. Right. Yes. To protect us, right? It's a yeah. defense. Um, but also, she was always wearing, you know, flip flops. She was on the swim team when she was little. Mm-hmm. People be like, hey, what's wrong with your foot? She goes, oh, I was born this way. Mm-hmm. And we always, talked about that mm-hmm. I mean Nemo came out what an amazing movie yeah lucky Finn yeah fantastic right I had never um, put that together but you're so right yeah yeah <sighs> Love that. yeah yeah um go watch that movie I know uh, uh-huh and we had you know I think I think like I was fortunate because intuitively I understood I didn't want her to carry shame mm-hmm. um Along that those lines, like when she had to be recasted, so she started. Um, we were so fortunate to move to Seattle mm-hmm. when she was one. So her first surgery was San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Person that we don't see anymore. And then mm-hmm. we moved to Seattle with this fantastic surgeon who randomly at Children's happened to be like the clubfoot guy mm. in all of I don't know states or something. Wow. He was fantastic. And he's like, we got to try this Ponsetti. This is what we're doing. But because mm-hmm. she had this other surgery, it's going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. And so we went through that whole thing. Um, when she was three, big, huge surgery. And then casting, casting, casting. But that little club wanted to come back. So when she was in kindergarten, she had to go through a whole nother round. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first time she gave a presentation to her kindergarten class, like, Mm. I have to have casts and this is why. And it was her, Mm -hmm. she like drew little pictures and my Mm -hmm. husband helped to make a slideshow. Then again, in fourth grade, she had had Mm -hmm. a huge Mm -hmm. osteotomy, bone fusion surgery. And she did another presentation. She, before it happened, this is why I'm going to be in a wheelchair for a while. Mm -hmm. Then in middle school, you know, they had to blow her growth plates out because it had to, we had to stop the the growth of her, the good leg, (laughs) because it was just, her leg length discrepancy was way too yeah and we just we had to take the chance we didn't know you know what Mm -hmm. we we just go with science when they we knew what we only knew then Mm -hmm. um and so she gave another presentation this is why I'm gonna be in a wheelchair I'm gonna be you know weird things gonna be sticking out of my legs and Mm -hmm. so we were always like share your story when people know Mm -hmm. right they'll they'll um They'll totally be open to you. Don't keep it hidden, mm-hmm. right? Because then sometimes people, they 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 can treat you differently. Like mm-hmm. they know something's different, but um, right? It's right. That, that idea that when you own the information, you control the information. Right. Yeah, you control the narrative. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. So when she was assaulted because of her, um, basically her lack of toenails, this is mm-hmm. why it happened. Um, she couldn't control it. Right? Yeah. She couldn't control the narrative. And someone else decided 
that for her. And you couldn't um, control it. No. Wow. And as a mom, I know. Especially a mom with special needs. Mm-hmm. We think we can control things. We, we so not. desperately want to. I know. We so desperately do. We so desperately. And I remember her talking about it and just sitting there thinking, like, I think I even asked her, I was like, but your parents, like, you've done such this amazing job to like have her live in that and like this is what makes me special this is what makes me beautiful this is what makes me unique and different and then to feel like that was undone so quickly by somebody out like an outsider you're just as a parent I could literally just like feel how you would have felt I was just like as a mom like I've spent so much time and energy like helping you through this and now yeah. yeah, it, um, I was so incredibly angry mm-hmm. for that very reason mm-hmm. that you little, you know, middle school, no high school. She was in high school. Yeah. By then. yeah. You little high school girls, right. You're going to come yeah. and undo years and years of this. Right. I just <laughs> was so angry and sad. And yeah. I watched her spiral. Mm-hmm. I think I think as parents, you know, there's this thing about having a child with a, a you know, medical difference, atypical, mm-hmm. special yep. needs, however yep. you want to call it, right? Right. Um, not only, obviously, are we their protector, as we are to all our children, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're the reason why they live when they're babies, right? We mm-hmm. give them their food. We, mm-hmm. you know, but I also think there's something at least for me intuitively that I was fiercely her protector mm-hmm. in a way that probably was unhealthy mm-hmm. and this is what my education then went on to teach me that mm-hmm. enmeshment is not always a good thing yeah and it starts when we're they're real little when we were on the playground and um she would be like climbing the monkey bars and I'd be right there like I'm here to catch you yes did I always have to do that mm-hmm. no Mm-hmm. Right. Did I, could I have given her space? Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know what? I didn't want her to fall. I know. I didn't want, I wanted to do mm-hmm. whatever she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Right. She could do anything. Mm-hmm. When um, that happened, right. We go like this. We, 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 we grow together in a way mm-hmm. that we, then when your child has surgery after surgery, after surgery, mm-hmm. and you're the one always responsible. I mean, I can, I could do this all day long, right? I, I mean, nursing that, that I know I could be a nurse practically, yeah. not really, but it seems to me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, I have changed bandages. I have the wound care. I have mm-hmm. how many times, you know, when your 18 year old daughter has another surgery mm-hmm. and I'm the one still taking her into the shower, we were mm-hmm. laughing, like it's hilarious. How yeah. many mothers are yeah. like, in the shower with their 18 year old you know and so we're incredibly connected but also what schooling helped me do is help me realize um I needed to let her individuate Mm. right that she that her assault showed me all that control that we think we have as mothers I mean fathers too but pretty typically mothers. mothers are the ones right yeah. that that we think we can control the universe mm-hmm. and control the world it is not true mm-hmm. <laughs> we know that but it is not true I know 
And when we start allowing our children to suffer, it's a mm -hmm. really hard thing to say, but, and not the pain, I mean, if they're actually in pain, right? We say like, we have medication for that to help you, but allow mm -hmm. them to have some of that mm -hmm. and learn that. It's we're giving them a, a, a gift, really, mm -hmm. because they, they, we want them to grow and go on in, in their own life, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And my idea is she gets to kind of stand on my shoulders, right? I raised her up and then she's going to jump off and fly. And that's what she's about to do. Mm -hmm. um, or she has been doing for years, but really, really about <laughs> really, really, yeah. really, really. And um, I think my profession, that's been very helpful there. And also I happen to be um, like more than half of my client load is grief and loss. Yeah. And so that's a world that I, I really love to live in because I feel like mm -hmm. this has been incredibly um, challenging for me mm -hmm. is, is to go through this process with Chloe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's talk more about that grief and loss. Cause we were saying about this, how you can feel about not having the idealized child that we're expecting to have, right? I think I hear that as such a common theme in the clubfoot community, but with any, like we say, medical difference, um, is this expectation as parents yeah. versus your actual child? And mm -hmm. how do those two things go together? You allow yourself to feel your feelings, mm -hmm. um, but then not, but then also parent the child that you have. Um, I think it's really interesting. So what do you talk to us about it? Yeah. So um, we have this word and mm -hmm. maybe you've heard it called ambiguous loss. Mm -hmm. And people think about grief, like someone dying. Yeah. Right? Right. And when someone dies, all sorts of things happen. Mm -hmm. um, people write you cards and they bring you casseroles mm -hmm. uh -huh. and then you have a funeral and there's a, not for everybody, but like a cemetery, like a tombstone mm -hmm. and you go and visit it. And this is grief, right? This is like when someone dies. Yeah. So ambiguous loss. And that's what we're talking about here. Ambiguous loss is this idea that there has been a death of sorts, mm -hmm. but no one's showing up with a card in a casserole. Sympathy. In mm -hmm. fact, what we get is, oh my gosh, you are so lucky that it's not. Yeah. Whatever the worst at thing least, is. At least it's not this. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. You should be thankful. It's uh -huh. only a club foot. So grateful that it could be fixed and that uh -huh. you have this. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh huh. Right. And you you're such that. a good mom. You're going to be great. Yeah. Oh, kids are so resilient. It's going to uh -huh. be great. It's going to build their character. And yeah. Your, uh -huh. yeah, no problem. Yeah, there's no like, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry. You know, there's no, yeah. I think that's such a good point is that grief is not just, it's this grief is the ambiguous grief you're talking about is so much more complex for people and parents Absolutely. and trying to wade your way through that and naming it, I think is really powerful. Mm -hmm. And so when I, um, when I think about the grief, yeah. Yeah. that we have this idealized version of who 
this child's going to be, right? We yeah. don't even know we carry it around, but we right. imagine like, oh, they're going to be like, whatever, a ballerina, or mm-hmm. they're going to be a gymnast or, you know, and then people, and then there's the whole like, well, Mia Hamm, she had a club foot. Yeah. Or whatever. Kushi Yamaguchi had a club foot. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not like my kids. Right. Kids. Um, and so I, I think when we think about this is for parents to allow themselves the grief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, gr- grief is not just the, it, grief is the inward expression, mm-hmm. right? What we do inside. Mourning, that's the outward, that's the tears, mm-hmm. that's the allow it. Because you're basically that idea that you had, mm-hmm. that's a dead now. And so mm-hmm. I, I think I really do talk about it in that way mm-hmm. that the baby you thought you were having, that baby's not coming home with you. Mm-hmm. Right? We have to let that baby go. Mm. And ooh, it can be really hard for some people to let the baby go. Mm-hmm. But in order to be open to this baby mm-hmm. that we get, mm-hmm. we need we don't we need to we need to say goodbye to the other one. Mm-hmm. And perhaps our kid may one day, you know, be like, "I will be this way." Our kid gets to decide what they're going to be. Mm-hmm. But I'm I believe that is incredibly unfair for a parent to hold on to that idealized version of this child because the baby they have isn't that mm-hmm. will never be that because mm-hmm. they're they're just different mm-hmm. in fact i would say to any parent yeah. not it, of the most typical child mm-hmm. to let that idea go let it go i know i do and i think that's one of the things that i learned in my um, master's program. I remember I didn't have children at that time. Um, I got pregnant with my first at the very end of my degree. And I just remember sitting in like a family systems class and they were talking about that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it wasn't about a medical difference, but it was about just parents who have the, we all have that expectation. We all have it. And whether that but that expectation is yours and it's right. not your child's. So how do we differentiate that and allow us to feel how we're feeling and let go of that with any child? I mean, I have two typical older girls and, oh, they are nothing. They all come with things, right? Yeah. They're nothing of what, they're everything that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. and but letting go of that and just knowing maybe that it's going to be different for me, having this knowledge that going, okay, these are the thoughts that I have. These are the things that I want, but the reality is I have to meet this child, this person who in each of them is different, like three different girls, right? They all, they're from the same parents. We're from the same background, right? You think they would be, but I have to meet them where they are. Right. And so like the club foot thing is like that, right? Like what you're saying is that baby that we had in our mind, once we get the diagnosis, we then have to grieve that idealized baby that we thought we were going to have in our expectation in order to be present with the baby that we actually have. That's right. That's Mm -hmm. right. I had 20 weeks to really contemplate this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Most, many people, I mean, some people don't. Some yeah, people, some they're people born, don't. they're like, hey, what's, what's going on with that foot? 
Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then they're like, and so that, Mm -hmm. you know, is more of a shocker. And I think um, just when we can pause and recognize that this is not, this is not, um, I mean, it is a big deal, but it's, it's not a reason to not think that this child is meant for purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's where people go to like, yeah. right. Because the, the reality is, is all of a sudden we see, we have this trajectory of difficulty for our children. Mm-hmm. Right. And we don't want that. We don't want right? suffering. We don't want difficulty. We don't. And we really don't. Mm-hmm. And yet we live in a world where, I mean, suffering difficulty, that's just part and parcel of <laughs> just, being, just being human. Just being human. Right. Right. But I do think like what you said earlier about that and the suffering and us trying to prevent it, there is something with parents and moms who have a child with a medical difference who push further for that. I want to prevent even more. Like I don't want my child to go through more than she art. Like she's been through enough. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to do whatever I can to make Mm -hmm. sure she doesn't have to experience anymore. Right. But then I'm preventing her when I'm trying so hard from experiencing her life mm-hmm. of her human experience. And that's mm-hmm. how we grow. And I know that personally, right? We all know that as, as we get older, like so much of our growth and our change as humans happen in these times of real challenge mm-hmm. and suffering. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be the same person today if I didn't have to go through clubfoot treatment with my child. It would be different. Right, right. I'm, I'm going to suggest mm-hmm. um, that there's a deepening mm. of, of, um, of ourselves as mothers. Mm-hmm. I know something about you because you're a mom of a clubfoot kid. Yeah. Like I, um, you know, there's this, this great quote by Khalil Gibran, who's like a from many many years ago Mm -hmm. but he he says um the deeper sorrow carves Mm -hmm. into your being the more joy you can contain Mm -hmm. and I love it because we think the sorrow right as a mother yeah on this journey the tears the the, all the things that we've held Mm -hmm. but how much more joy it gives us room maybe or expansion or depth or something or at least that's how I'm gonna see it yeah I have to because I need it in my own mind to, to um, mm. be able to, to hold the joy, right? Because yeah. I, I, I choose not to be bitter or even like people use this word unfair a lot. Like mm-hmm. it's unfair, 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 yep. unfair. Yep. I'm going to say in our, our family, we don't say it a whole lot mm-hmm. because that while yes, it is so unfair, mm-hmm. it is so unfair that mm-hmm. Chloe got that yes so but yep we're not going to live in that space because that space um doesn't leave us a lot of room for joy in that yeah it's not really productive there's no mm -hmm. sometimes we really have to go there to that space and allow i think really important really important to name it when our kids like so frustrated you're like yes you are frustrated this is so frustrating Yes, we are just with them and we're mirroring what they're saying. We're not like, oh, but you know, 
at least the whatever, blah, blah, that shoe, you know, is purple and you like purple, right? Because that's what we want to do. Right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I think there is a lot of that in being able to be with our child, name the emotions of what's happening. Let them, we're not saying like, don't, it's okay if we feel unfair, if we have those feelings, but being able to feel them and then move forward. Like it's just grow from it. Like that's the part where, so if I prevent her from feeling those feelings, then she's also not provided the opportunity to deepen those sorrows, right? She's not able. And then, so if we have to think about it that way, in a way it was like, I talked about this in another podcast with her of like, as she grows and she gets bigger and she's doing all of these things, like, I'm so scared. Like, I don't want her to hurt herself. I don't want her to hurt her feet. We've worked so hard to get to this point. And I'm like, please don't hurt your foot, right? Like, don't, I want you just to be healthy. And, but then I'm like preventing her mm-hmm. from doing the things that we've worked so hard for. I, know. I worked so hard so that she can do these things. That's I what know. I wanted. But now I'm the one as her parent saying, no, don't do that. I'm scared. I'm, I don't want you to do that. Like, right. so it's this weird dynamic that we're playing and I'm seeing myself live in with her mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. wait, I did all this. So you can do all these things, but now I don't want you to, because now you have club foot and I don't want anything to mess up what's happened for you. Right. Right. And this is what we see in systems. Like mm-hmm. you have a county systems class. Yes. So this is what we see. Right, because in in any system we want homeostasis. We want everyone to be exactly who they are. Right. And when someone changes, the system doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if she's like, "I want to be a soccer player," or whatever your daughter, I don't know what she's saying or doing. Right. Or, I want to be yes. a ballerina, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which we know. I'm choosing those things because we know our feet. It's not not all. I mean, some kids are going to be fine, but. My, Chloe can't point and flex her foot. She, ballet was never going to be on the you know agenda. Yeah, there. yeah. <clears throat> um, what happens then is we are as in that system. Mm-hmm. Mom then is going to mm-hmm. go back and be like, "No, mm-hmm. come back. Be mm-hmm. that you're you're a child that needs help, mm-hmm. right? You're mm-hmm. a child that can't do things on their own. Every time I went to the playground and I was like hovering under Chloe." Yeah. I was reinforcing this idea that yep. she couldn't do it on her own. Mm. So that's that system, right? Mm. So when we have a child with any sort of dis- issue mm-hmm. in that system, they become, we, we call them the identified patient, right? Mm. They become like, everyone's looking at that. Oh, you know, mm. I hope child is okay. What can we do to help child? Mm-hmm. What supports can we do to help child? Of course, we need to do that. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is that they're not, how can we say, like, it, it, it's in a way, like, we want to make sure we maintain, like, balance so that mm-hmm. mom, is mom practicing self-care? Is mm-hmm. mom getting out? Does mom believe that no one can tighten the nine-night shoes? That's yes. Call mom them. believes that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do we believe that, that, you know, no one can do right mm-hmm. so then it basically it kind of becomes mom's club foot too yeah. then um what about siblings mm-hmm. right 
everything starts to kind of um, ro- revolve around Clubfoot Kid. Mm. So when Clubfoot Kid starts to do things, we, we really hope we can let them go and experience those things without pulling them back into that system. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, it's really hard and it's, um, but I think it's so important. And that's one of the things that I've always felt is this family systems and how having a child with special needs or medical differences really impacts the whole unit of the family. It's not not just the child or the parent, it's the siblings and even the grandparents and caretakers and everybody within your system, it touches. Yeah, and not in isolation, yeah. Yeah, I wanna hear more from you about that. How you think it impacted your family unit and any advice you have for us out here who are (laughs) I I, I really do believe that no one can tighten her boots okay Uh like you're literally speaking to me because I've never let anyone else do it yeah um so you know full disclosure um I can give lots of advice yeah (laughs) did I take my own that would be the uh um so you know, for Chloe, mm-hmm. I absolutely believed I was the only one that could do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, I when she was around two, I guess, mm-hmm. two and three, we started thinking maybe we should go out for a date. Or something mm-hmm. like you know, my husband and I go out to dinner, mm-hmm. but gosh, she had to go to bed. Mm-hmm. So do I wait until after so I can do it? And so I decided no, mm-hmm. I was going to handpick people, and, I, and this is what this is what I've done throughout now my children's lives. I've handpicked okay. people. This is okay. okay. And here, but I want you to hear this controlling piece. Okay. Okay. I can handpick people <laughs> that I feel can do this. Yeah. I'm going to show them how to do it. Mm-hmm. And these are like, you know, 17, 18 year olds. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I knew that the mom lived next door. Yeah. And I knew I showed both mom and dad, like, this is what mm-hmm. we do. My husband, I was like, you got to help me. Like, we have to be on this to do this journey together. Because yeah. I knew for me that mm-hmm. I'm way too, I could control the world I would want to, right? So I mm-hmm. have to always put for some reason I knew that within me I had to give myself boundaries or else you know (laughs) I was going to run the show and you know I didn't want to be like you know a dictator so I so I taught the people I Mm handpicked right like okay and then I would come home and be like those shoes they weren't right or whatever and I was like you know what one night of that she'll be okay Mm-hmm. Like I had to just believe, though, right? So I think little by little, I tried, and I say this, it sounds it, really, I was the most controlling of all in that I truly believe, and perhaps to this day, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that might truly believe that I still am in control of my daughter's destiny in some way, but that's not enmeshment, right? That we yeah. 
I keep pulling apart. We keep mm-hmm. in, keep individuating, which is like sometimes that's like a knife in the heart, and mm-hmm. yet so healthy and important. Oh yes, yeah. I think as parents, as mothers, we we have just got to trust mm-hmm. that there are those around us that we can you know go to for help. Mm-hmm. That. And and it will be hard, right? Forcing yourself to go somewhere and not do that thing or forcing yourself not to go to the doctor's appointment, mm-hmm. just forcing yourself, okay, your husband can do it, mm-hmm. right? And then when they come home and you're like, why didn't you ask that? And why didn't you ask that? La, 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 la. All the things we say, trying desperately to go mm-hmm. home, they can do it. Mm-hmm. Right, giving up some of that control so that we can have a different type of relationship with our child as well. If that's yeah. possible. Yeah. It's hard to do. Hard to do. Right. Because so we hard. remind ourselves it's not our club foot. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really feels like it is because it feels like we're so responsible for it. And that's the piece for the parents, you know, you're like, as my little one gets older and there is that dynamic of, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, maybe someone else can put the boots on, she'll be okay, but they'll never do it like I do. It'll never be like I've done, you know? And so, Uh but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't allow myself because that's the part that I've mm-hmm. seen in this trajectory of us moving forward is like how much of myself is in this too. And I need support. Absolutely. I need, I'm a human, like I'm a human being entity outside of even being a mom. Like yeah. I'm also a human, like yes, you are a real life person. That's not uh-huh. just here as in relationship to somebody else. Like that's, I think as parents and moms, especially moms with kids with um, medical differences, as you start to feel like I only exist in relation to everyone around me. Right. Absolutely. And so how do you start to, you were talking about Chloe individuating, mm-hmm. but how do we as moms start to individuate ourselves and go yeah, like, it's, it's it's hard and even now I mean you're getting me you're literally getting me days away from Chloe's graduating and I'm moving across the country like two days later I know and so you're you're getting me in a a big grief big grief moment and um someone just mentioned to me like yesterday um oh you know you can see anytime you want I'm like you're not allowed to say that you're I'm allowed to have my grief right now yes and so I think as mothers Mm -hmm. Well, here's what I did. What did I do? Mm. I was a stay-at-home mom. With I have, I mean, Chloe's special needs. Are you kidding? She's had so many surgeries. Yes. Oh my god! If there's a- anything that could have happened, it was uh-huh. it happened. Uh-huh. So when she was a freshman in high school, I'm yeah, like, I gotta go back to school. Wow. I gotta do something Be- that so takes up my brain because mm-hmm. I am so incredibly enmeshed with her, mm-hmm. and also my son has he would say it's okay for me to say this but he has pretty severe ADHD mm-hmm. like so I have two special needs kids yeah me all I'm doing is putting out fires 
all I'm, I am the master of the universe in my house, yep. right? Like, yep. and, and we be, believe, we actually believe our own noise that we can, we, yep. if we weren't there, the world would fall apart. Which A hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> so yep. when I went back to school and whatever that looks like for anyone, mm-hmm. um, basically I was saying, I choose me. Yeah. And my kids, they saw me and, mm-hmm. and they saw me working and then they, all the things that I used to do the minutia and I couldn't I just couldn't do it I'm like sorry it's Saturday I got to go to the library for 10 hours because I have to write a paper I'm old my brain's yeah. not doesn't work like it used to yeah um and they saw that and were proud of me yeah and they saw yeah. me doing something other than them and this could be for me it was school and it was following this passion mm-hmm. that I absolutely have had forever mm-hmm. and working with a population of people that I love mm-hmm. because grief looks pretty similar. Yeah. Um, trauma, different from different degrees of trauma. Mm-hmm. I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's, I've walked in there. And so I feel like I'm doing that. My kids watch me and they're like, ah, my mom, my mom can survive without me. I actually believe that sometimes our children think that our happiness is dependent on them. Yeah. Yes. What an unhealthy thing that we we are doing. No, and we think, we think like, I think it was um, Ledin Doyle. I listened to a lot of her stuff, but she said like in some, in some aspect, I don't know if it was in the book, but she was like, we don't need to like our children don't need us to save them. They need to see us save ourselves. And I was like, okay, (laughs) like I, my girls are going to learn like somewhere along the line as motherhood, we started to become like martyr in motherhood. Like I have to sacrifice everything that I am Mm -hmm. to be a mom, to be here. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it does have everything you do has an impact. So if you choose, if that's what you choose to believe, you're right. Your kids are going to somehow internalize. I can't survive without my mom. Like I can't, I'm not also a human without her. Like she, I have to have her. And part of me is like, but you won't always have me. I mean, I hope forever, but no problem. No, I eventually I'm not going to be here. And so it's an, it's been an interesting walk in that. And I feel, I, I mean, everything that you've said really resonates with me. And I hope that mom's listening to this, wherever you are in this journey is Mm. you are human too. Like that's absolutely, you are seen as a woman, as a person, as, um, more than just, who you were in relation to and who you are in service to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think in, in my work, so I work with so many women, mm-hmm. um, it's just reminding them absolutely of that. Yeah. And it, and it, I, I do that social media thing is coming up in my mind again, mm-hmm. because there's this idea then that we have to be perfect on all fronts. We have mm-hmm. to look perfect. We have to dress perfect. We have mm-hmm. to be the perfect mom and say the perfect things. Feed the I'm perfect saying, food. Yeah. Right. Oh my goodness. What I'm saying, um, this idea of just being the good enough mother. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I love this idea that we are just good enough. Sometimes our kids might eat macaroni and cheese. That's okay. 
right? Yeah, for like um, seven meals in a row. That's okay. Totally fine. Right. Um, sometimes it's okay. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes we actually do yell at our kids. Yeah, it does happen. And yeah. you know what? We go back and we pair it and we uh-huh. go, hey, mommy had a hard day. Yeah. Um, shouldn't have yelled. This is what we can do next time. Yeah. And then our kids are like, ah, mom's human. Um, yeah. Or, you know, we, we beat up on ourselves all the time. Yeah. What would it be like to just be women that are like, I'm an awesome mom because I'm just good enough. Mm-hmm. And that's teaching my kids, especially our female children, mm-hmm. to grow up and not have this expectation that they have to be perfect. Yeah. Because my mom's perfect. Mm-hmm. Because, right. And, right. and our, teaches our boy children that they're going to grow up and be like, oh, I can marry someone that's a human. Yeah. That doesn't have to be perfect. Yep. So the idea of just being the good enough mother and doing whatever that is, and it doesn't have to be a job or anything. It could be, you know, whatever. mom's, yeah. mom's going to be gone for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Bye. It doesn't matter what you're doing. In my own life, I had to do that through school. And that's mm-hmm. where I found um, mm-hmm. success for me. Mm-hmm. But that looks, every journey is different. And I, I think absolutely recognizing your humanness Mm-hmm. and um what that means I just love that I think while you're saying that about the good enough mom I'm like maybe if I'm a good enough mom that'll leave space if I just say I'm a good enough mom uh-huh. that'll leave space for me to be other things absolutely and if I'm a perfect mom that's all I'm gonna ever try to be and it doesn't exist like perfection doesn't exist yeah. um but if I'm, that's the only thing I'm striving for, there isn't a lot of space for anything else. And there's actually not a lot of space for your kids if you think about it. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, this conversation has been amazing. I love it. I think it's going to be so helpful for so many parents. And I'm going to end with what I always end with this question. But... I have to preface this by saying that Chloe's answer to this question will probably go down as my all-time favorite answer to the question. So no pressure to you, but I know we can't, but she just, the honesty with what she said, I just, you know, and it was about the moment and that's the thing. So it's about these moments. And I've been trying to think about this and I have a podcast coming out soon about like why moments mean something to me um, and how they've transformed. But I like to know if there's like a standout memorable moment for you on this whole journey. It's really hard. And I know what Chloe's answer was. Um, that was a hilarious moment. <laughs> Not wearing any underpants. Why are you concerned? Um, yeah. That's so just moment. real. She was a kid. Like that's uh-huh. what I have a fourth grade daughter. So for me, I like really felt that I was like, yes, I know and she was in, she was in fourth grade. I know. That yeah. Happened. So I was yeah. just like, yeah. yes. Um, I, it's hard for me because there's been so many moments. I'm so blessed to have had so yeah. many moments. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say probably one of the most recent moments. Okay. That, um, is memorable and also a hilarious way mm-hmm. um, that Chloe and I kind of mentioned it before, but when Chloe mm-hmm. had her last surgery, she was eight. 
18, almost 19. Yeah. She had to get some of her toes worked on. Okay. And um, we were in the hospital together mm-hmm. after, you know, she's waking up and she's mm-hmm. like, I really, really have to pee. I'm like, oh, honey, like you can't get out of bed. Like, and for whatever reason, I don't know where, the, I don't know where the nurses were. I don't know what's going on, but there was no one around. There were no bedpans. There was nothing. It was just me. And she's, you know, she's tiny, but like, I yes. can't lift her yeah. up. I don't have yeah. that strength. She's and not so, bored anymore. Uh-huh. Right. And so this isn't our own um, room or anything. It's like that. It's where, um, you know, the recovery room where there's yeah. like all the curtains. So there's all these people around. And so I'm like, honey, you have to pee. I, you know, I'm like MacGyvering, like I go and I find, you know, like a wheelchair and then I go down and I find this kind of like a bedpan and I stick it on the wheelchair. And so I managed to pull her off the bed, but she has a giant thing on her leg with like things sticking out of her toes and we're right freaking out. And so I get her, um, you know, we get her then yeah. on this, but we can't take her anywhere because her foot, I, I, I can't even <laughs> yeah, describe right. what's going right. on. Right. So we get her on there and I'm like, you just got to pee now. Yeah. And then I'm like, it's okay. Right. Yeah. So finally she goes and we're laughing. It's hilarious. And then we notice like next door to us in the little, it's just a curtain. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's real quiet, real quiet over there. And then we kind of hear this laughter. Okay. <laughs> We're realizing in this moment that there's like maybe a, I don't know, a youngish man that's Uh-oh. also recovering. And we are so loud. We're like yeah. laughing. It's hilarious and also really scary. And yeah. Yeah. Don't want to hurt her that yeah. he's been hearing this whole thing. So I think it's not like a heart touching you know, memory, I guess, but as far as memorable goes, I think that's a very recent one. And maybe it points to this idea that Mm. there's, there can be so much fear and sadness Mm -hmm. every time our kids have surgery, every time something happens, right? It's Mm -hmm. all this. Mm -hmm. I think with Chloe, I think the gift has been that Mm -hmm. she is such a light in the world. And as a mom, I think we have had a lot of fun together. Yeah. Like I, we really point to fun. And so we made this really embarrassing and really unfortunate issue. Yeah. Right? Hilarious. And um, allowing that humor, allowing the joy, because we've had enough sorrow. Yeah. So allowing this joy to be present. Yeah. I think, I think those are the things I, yeah. I, um, want to choose to kind of keep in at the top of mind, I guess. Yeah. It's those moments of joy. It's like within it all, like she's Mm -hmm. just had this big surgery. Like you said, she has all this stuff on her and, but that doesn't mean they're, that created these moments that would not have existed without it. Right. (laughs) And that's hilarious. You basically made her her own bathroom. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And if that's not a testament to what moms are capable of doing, I don't know what is. Like we are able to make things happen in situations that you would never believe. And there's so much beauty just in that, in just Mm -hmm. being able to do things that you wouldn't think you were ever going to do, capable of doing, or thought in any expectation in your life. 
that you were going to do. And if that's not being a mom or being a parent, then I don't, I don't know what is. I know. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lori, for being a guest today. And I just, it was such a privilege to talk to you. You know how much I just adore Chloe. And I am so grateful that you were willing to talk to me too. I'm, I'm like such a mom, you know, I'm like, I'm listening to Chloe and I'm like, okay, I need, I need to talk to this woman. I need to talk <laughs> to the mom, you know, because there is yeah. a person um, that's been on the journey too. And yeah. I just yeah. really so appreciate your experience and your expertise and all of your insight today. And I think it'll be so incredibly helpful to so many moms out, out, out there, not just clubfoot parents, but there's something special about that clubfoot journey. So I'm so happy you were able to share today. And thank you so much for taking the time to do it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So as always, thank you guys for listening. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and share it with people, share it with people who you think would really benefit from it. And if you need to get in contact with me, you can do so at my website at marinehoff.com or through my Instagram account at Clubfoot Chronicles Mom. And until next time.